Welcome to the Womb Wisdom Podcast. My name is Holly Deaver, and I'm the owner and operator of Rosebud Wellness, where I practice women's holistic health, utilizing acupuncture, Chinese herbalism, yoni steaming, Arvigo abdominal massage, and the fertility awareness method. This podcast will be part conversations with women who are mothers or hope to be mothers on their journey through menstruation, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and motherhood, and part information about the holistic health practices that I use in my practice. Please enjoy. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome back, everybody, to the Womb Wisdom Podcast. I am very excited to be here today with Nicole Jardim. I hope I pronounced your last name correctly. You did. Um, I've been listening to her podcast forever. It's called The Period Party. I don't even remember how I found it, but I'm sure I typed in period and was like, oh, this is perfect for me. Um, she is a certified women's health coach, and she's also the author of the book Fix Your Period, which is also really great. So welcome, Nicole. Thank you so much for being here today. Hi, Holly. Thank you so, so much for having me. It's an honor. Yeah, my pleasure. So as I mentioned in our little pre-chat, I would love to hear more about your personal story today. So if you can share with us about when you got your first period, if you can remember like that specific first one or just the early years of menstruating and what that was like for you. Oh, yes. I remember it very well, <laughs> actually. I, you know, I will preface this story by saying that I, I had a very tragic situation happen when I was 11. My dad died really suddenly. And it, it, I feel like that that's a big part of my story, which is why I wanted to mention it before talking about my whole period experience, because I probably got my first period about uh, maybe just under a year uh, after he passed away. And I remember being like the little period psychic because I just had a feeling it was coming. <laughs> and I think I must have been spotting or something like that. And um, and so I had pads in my backpack just all ready and prepared. And I think I even wore a panty liner to school that day or something like that. I think that's what happened. And I remember a few weeks prior, a friend of mine was looking for a pencil or something like that in my backpack and she found these pads and she was mortified. She was like, I don't understand. Do you have your period? You didn't tell me. It was, it was a total personal affront. And, and then I got it and I was so excited and my mom celebrated with me and it was a really positive experience. But that those, those years after my dad died were really, really challenging for all of us. And obviously, and, um, and it was hugely stressful for me, particularly I was the older sibling and just felt a lot of responsibility uh, especially to my mom, because she was just so devastated after my dad died. And, um, and I remember that feeling that stress. And I personally think that it really manifested as increasingly worse periods. So I remember the first few months, it was fine. And then I started to have symptoms that I didn't experience when I first got it. I started to feel pain and the pain started getting worse and worse. And then I started, um, you know, to the point where I'd want to throw up from the pain. Sometimes I did. Um, and then I started to have really irregular cycles and I had major moodiness. I just had a lot of, of symptoms. I was kind of like the poster child, I think, for period problems. And that progressed into sort of my middle teenage years. And then 
I remember telling my mom all of this and she just said to me, well, you know, my periods were even worse. I was in bed for three days out of the month, every month. And, and that's just how it was. And so I just assumed that this was kind of how it was for me too. And that it was my lot in life and I would have to live with it. And so then fast forward a few years and I finally went and saw her gynecologist and, and she was the one who suggested that I go on the pill after I lamented about all of my period issues, like, you know, going to my friend's house and I would spend the night and I'd have to put a towel on the bed just in case I leaked through her bed and, you know, which is mortifying and, um, and being so scared to go to school on my period. And yeah, all of, all of the things that we go through in those younger years, particularly. And so when I told her all of this, she immediately said, well, I think you should just go on the pill. And so that's what I did because everyone else was on the pill and it seemed like how, the cool thing to do. How old were you at this time? Like once you finally- I, I think I just turned 19. Okay. At that point. Yeah. So I, this has been a long time, right? This is a good five, six years of dealing with all of these, these period related problems that just were getting worse and worse. So yeah, I was 19 and I went on it and I immediately feel be felt better. I was suddenly having regular cycles and I almost immediately had no more period pain. And I remember feeling like, okay, I feel stable for the first time. My mental health feels fine. So everything stabilized and quote unquote normalized. And I was like that for a couple of years. And then I started having these strange symptoms that again, no one could figure out. And I certainly had never connected to the pill. Not a single person did actually. And I saw a lot of different doctors because I had I had started getting UTIs and then I started getting yeast infections and then they became chronic. And then I started getting headaches and I had developed melasma all over my face. And I remember a doctor telling me, well, that usually only happens to women when they're pregnant. And, you know, and I went to multiple dermatologists for that. And I started having tremendously uh, bad gut related symptoms. And it just got to the point where I, you know, I, I went and had a colonoscopy done and they said everything was fine. And I went and saw a rheumatologist because I had horrible joint pain. So it was just a plethora of symptoms that again, nobody connected to the pill and no one could really give me a definitive answer about what was wrong. And I, I'm pretty sure I saw between 10 and 15 doctors. It, it really did feel like that. And then I finally saw an acupuncturist after going to the ER in an emergency situation because I had an allergic reaction to a UTI medication. And a friend of mine had been harassing me about going to see her acupuncturist. And the next day at school, I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to go and see this acupuncturist of yours. And almost immediately he said, he asked if I was on the pill. I said, yes. And then he said, oh, I think that's your problem. And I was so taken aback. I remember being almost offended. <laughs> Because he was, he was like a seventy-year-old traditional Chinese medicine practitioner who did not mince words at all, and I just thought, "There's no way. That's silly. How is that possible?" Because it never occurred to me that this is a systemic thing. Anyway, so I I worked with him. I came off the pill, and I, almost immediately, my life began to change, and it was amazing. Um, and that was really what set me on this path. I mean, there were multiple years between getting off the pill and doing what I do now, but it really did put me on this trajectory. You know, what's so interesting to me, I don't know if you know, but I'm an acupuncturist and that was my introduction to, I had been on birth control for nine years before I started acupuncture school and I was 24 at the time. And I, they were just like, 
birth control causes stagnation in your, in your entire system and blood deficiency. And I was like the poster child of both of those diagnosis diagnoses. And mm. at the time I was just like, okay, I'm going to stop. Like, I'm just going to stop. You know, when you're young, you just do like whatever. And yeah, no consequences time, I, for me now as a practitioner, that is sort of how I feel is, is that birth control is not supportive of women's bodies at all. But one of the things that I'm so curious about, especially because were you still 19 at this time, you were still in high school. No. Yeah. I was in college. Um, no. So I had, I, yeah, I'd finished high school and I, that was when I went and saw my gynecologist first and was put on the pill. And then I, 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 I'm not from here. I'm from Antigua and the Caribbean originally. And so then I left and came to college. And so this all took place in the US. I was in college at the time. So yeah, it was such a saga because I was also alone. I didn't have my family and uh, I was just trying to navigate this whole thing. And I, I just distinctly remember just feeling very confused and overwhelmed and not having any idea. And it's so clear looking back the sequence of events and in talking to other friends or practitioners who've either been on the pill, I'm sure you can relate to this, or they've put their daughters on the pill for whatever reason back in the day. And sort of seeing the slow breakdown of your body over time and just not being able to connect the dots. So yeah, it's very clear thinking back to that. Yeah. And so what I'm curious about, especially when you're when you're young, like I was in my mid twenties and my, I've talked about my story, so I'm not going to really share too much about it, but basically I had a raging eating disorder. So I've spent a lot of my life infertile anyway. And so one of the things that I'm, I don't have a ton of personal experience about is preventing pregnancy effectively without the use of hormonal birth control. And when I'm working with younger women, I mean, I just want to scream from the rooftops that nobody should be taking hormonal birth control, especially for as long as I did. And some women are on it for like 20 or 30 years and never know that it's not actually regulating your hormones, that it's not actually treating anything, that it's just masking underlying issues and then creating other issues like nutrient deficiencies, gut issues, mood dysregulation, all of the things that you just shared about. And I didn't personally have any real symptoms that I specifically connected to birth control. I just went off of it because I went to acupuncture school and heard it was bad for you, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And so anyway, the, the, I guess the question in all of this is when, when you're working with younger women, or if you were to advise a younger woman about preventing pregnancy and also what have you done for yourself to prevent pregnancy in the absence of using hormonal contraceptives after you were, you know, kind of made aware that that was causing a lot of your issues from your acupuncturist. Oh yeah, I know. I feel like this is so loaded, isn't it? Because of the cultural expectation that you kind of just go on the pill. It's almost like a rite of passage, isn't it? Um, although I feel like that's being replaced with IUDs now, but mm -hmm. that's another conversation. Um, so for me, I distinctly remember being terrified because when he said this, all of a sudden now I can't ignore this, right? Like this is clearly what is going on here. And so it took a while for me to work up the courage to actually say, okay, I'm gonna just stop. And it was funny because I, I got my prescription from my gynecologist back home in Antigua and I would go home for holidays and I was, I was on the last pack and I was graduating. So I just thought, okay, well, I guess this is it. And, um, 
I distinctly remember taking that last pill and thinking, all right, well, here's hoping that I don't have these debilitating cramps or these crazy heavy periods come back and all of these things. And I think there is a huge emotional component to it, right? There, it's such a crutch and you're, you're thinking, okay, well, what is going to, what's my body going to do to me? How is it going to rebel against me for coming off of this pill? And, and again, that's, that was the mindset. That was what I remember just feeling because it had been instilled in me that, yeah, your body just doesn't work the way it's supposed to. And uh, this is going to be the fix for you. Um, and so when you come off of it, you think, oh gosh, well, here's my body again, going to just wreak havoc on my life. And so I really had to do a lot of work around shifting that mindset around my body not being broken. And in fact, actually just responding in the way it's supposed to respond to the situation that it was in, uh, which was you know massive unchecked stress and not eating properly, because, you know, you're in college and obviously you described your own eating disorder. So it just, it, you know, a lot of these contributing factors, we're not even made aware of our problems in the first place. And so I came off the pill and um, I remember just having, uh, you know, periods that were manageable, which was amazing to me. And so I finally felt a little safer in my body, I suppose you could say. And uh, I was in a long-term relationship at the time and I was really nervous because I didn't I didn't really know what to do. There wasn't any education. There really was, I mean, this was nearly 20 years ago. So really wasn't a whole lot of information on the internet. And so I just remember using a wall calendar and literally just circling the days that I had my period and writing period in each section. And and then I didn't really know much about ovulation or anything like that. So I was just doing that for the longest time and using condoms and kind of just hoping things would work out. And so then I use, sorry to interrupt, but did you use condoms like every single time you would have sex or were you tracking your period and kind of had some general awareness of when you were ovulating or, or you just always use condoms? I just always use condoms because I was too scared. (laughs) And again, no one had told me anything. I think I was what 23, 24 at the time. So yeah, no one had told me really anything about any of this. I'd gotten a book from my mom when I was 12, when I got my period or when I was 11 or something like that. And that was the extent of my knowledge for the most part. And so then I I started to learn about cycle tracking and started to understand ovulation. I'm not even entirely sure where I learned it from. I must've found it somewhere. And, um, and then I, you know, I, uh, and then I I started to track, I got an iPhone because um, it was like the first time iPhones came out, I think like 2007 maybe. So I got this iPhone and it had this very janky app on it that was like a very basic cycle tracking type of app. And I, I used that. And so that was when I started to figure things out. And then I got a thermometer and started taking my temperature. Um, and so it was all within about four or five years. It took me a while to really figure this out. I don't know if it was just because I didn't really care. I was like, oh, I'm just going to use condoms, whatever. It's fine. Um, and my periods weren't so bad anymore. So it didn't feel like a, an urgent situation that I had to deal with anymore. Um, so that's what I did. And I was, but I was terrified. I just remember thinking, okay, well, I definitely can't get pregnant and I just need to take all the precautions. Yeah. And it's so interesting to me because in my personal experience, men, a lot of times I'm not like, this isn't a statement about all men, but a lot of men are resistant in my work with women, in my own personal experience, a lot of men are resistant to using condoms. I think because 
they've gotten so used to women being on either having an IUD or using a shot or being on the pill and not having to be accountable for like their part of it. And then especially when you're in a long-term relationship, you know, when it, when you're young and playing around and having sex with whoever, and there's the concern about STIs, people are more likely to be using some form of, of protection for, for that situation. But when it comes to being in a long-term relationship and knowing that you are committed to each other and the only thing that you're trying to avoid is pregnancy, then it's kind of tends to fall on the woman's shoulders of like, okay, well, how are you going to be preventing this? And I'm, this is not an assessment about men or, or anything. It's just that I think our culture and our reliance on hormonal contraceptives for women is sort of at the root of that, which has kind of taken the accountability away from, from men and of women thinking like, oh, well, I'm I'm not capable of learning how my cycle actually works or that I can get pregnant every single day. I mean, if you don't have any of this information, it's, it's hard to get out of that mentality. I know that when I was 24 and I stopped taking birth control, I did not know that there was only a small part of the cycle where you can actually get pregnant. Even I was studying holistic medicine and I still didn't know that. And I've had to study for years and years and years. I'm sure that you can relate to that. Like part of the work that we do in the world is to kind of try to streamline this process, you know, to be like, okay, here's the information that it took me like 15 years to get, you know, here it is now in your book or in courses and, and the one-on-one work that we do with people. The purpose of it is to try to save people from having to be using condoms every single day of the cycle when it's unnecessary and identifying when they actually are and are not fertile and that you can actually solve a lot of period issues with some pretty simple practices. And one of the things that I was thinking about as you were sharing about your experience of, you know, when your periods came after you stopped taking hormonal birth control and they weren't as bad, I was thinking to myself that a lot of times what women do is they're on birth control for however long, and then they just stop taking it cold turkey, and they have all these issues that come back or like new things that they never had in the first place. So one of the things that I recommend for people to do is to to get some sort some form of holistic treatment, whether it's abdominal massage, acupuncture, herbs, uh, working with a functional medicine doctor, like something to treat those underlying issues before they stop taking it. And you were already doing that because you're getting acupuncture. So I just wondered if like part of the reason that your period problems were a lot better is because you were getting, you were receiving this treatment. hundred percent. Oh my gosh. hundred percent. Yeah. That was a hundred percent part of, of it. And I'm glad you said it because I should have clarified that. I felt that this was a humongous part of why my period was more manageable because as I got more into my twenties, I studied film production and I did TV production and commercials and all these things, live events, whatever, um, in my first life. And, uh, so that was a really hard industry to be in, as you can imagine. And we were working 16 hour days and I was up at four in the morning. I was doing night shoots. It was ridiculous. And I started to have problems again. I stopped going to acupuncture. I was overwhelmed. Life was really intense. I was eating way too much sugar on set, you know, all the things, not getting enough sleep, all of it. And all of my symptoms started to come back. So I knew 
that I needed to change things up, which is why I got got out of that industry and started doing this work um, because I, I started to clean things up and things improved again. And I just thought, wow, I really need to talk to people about this because this is clearly worked for me. And I have seen the massive benefits that I've experienced. So that's kind of how I shifted, but yeah, for sure. It was no doubt related to the acupuncture and cleaning things up when I was in my early twenties and also, uh, yeah, just changing sleep and exercise and diet and just following a, a lifestyle that I mostly follow now. So that's yeah. I mean, it. it's, yeah. it's so interesting. The, the amount of things that people are trying to sell us to solve like hormonal issues or, uh, you know, like all these like tinctures and teas and pills and birth control and all of these different bells and whistles to solve hormonal issues. And most of the time, if women eat really nutritious food and keep their blood sugar balanced, sleep well and have a way of navigating stress and don't have like a crazy lifestyle like you just described, <laughs> um, period, like hormone, hormonal issues just sort of seem to resolve themselves. Not always, but yeah. that's like a big part of it for a lot of people. So yes, it sounds like such a revelation. I, sure. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's such a revelation. I know. I, I love that you brought this up because I've been talking about this recently about the fact that I feel as though we're really overcomplicating things here, as if women already don't feel overwhelmed and feel like their bodies are a complete mystery. We are now piling on all of these sort of wellness practices and crazy dietary practices that I think are really not necessary. And I think that they're causing even more confusion and possibly even more sort of analysis paralysis and inertia in, in people's healing journeys because they just think, oh, well, now I've got to hit this goal post and now there's this next thing. And I I agree with you. I feel like the foundations are seriously underrated and we're not really focused on them anymore, which, you know, I get building the house is not so fun. Decorating it, it's way more it's fun. boring. Yeah, it's boring. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I completely exactly. understand and can relate because there was a lot of my life where I was like, what's like a thing that I can do and get into and and be and do be different or whatever. And it's just, I mean, it's really pretty. The foundational stuff is really pretty boring and not very colorful, but it's really the root of everything. And then you can build from there, which is, which is really cool. So um, one of the, so I wanted to keep going with your story. So you, you were using condoms pretty much every time that you would have sex. And then you started having some awareness of, of cycle tracking and things like that with BBT. And then did you ever get involved in, in tracking and charting cervical mucus and then doing it more religiously and then kind of having a more of an awareness of when your fertile window is? Oh yes. Oh my goodness. Definitely. Yeah. It was around that time. I don't know if I took a class. I'm not entirely sure what happened. I'm trying to think back I, as you've been asking these questions. I'm like, wait, how did this happen? What was the timeline of all of this playing out? And it was somewhere between 2007 and 2010 where I, you know, became much more aware of things. And it was close to the time when I went to IIN, which is the Institute for um, Integrative Nutrition. And I studied to be a health coach there and that was 2010. And so it was sometime in that three-year range where um, 
you know, I started downloading cycle tracking apps because those were coming online and I was paying attention to cervical fluid changes. So I was able to, I got to the point where I was hundred percent able to pinpoint my ovulatory window. And I knew exactly what was going on with my cervical fluid. I'm not entirely sure how I got there, but I definitely got there. And then in 2011, it was very early 2011, might've been late 2010, Kendara, the app that I've used literally since I discovered it that year, um, came out. And I remember reading a New York Times article about it. And I was so excited because this couple had decided that they wanted to solve the the wife's birth control issues because she was having problems on hormonal contraceptives. And they decided to create this app that was basically like the fertility awareness method in an app. And it was really the first of its kind. And I, I downloaded it immediately. I remember being in the car on the way to the beach with my current partner and I, and I'm reading this article to him and I remember I didn't have internet because we were traveling. And so I got home and I downloaded it immediately. And that was, I, I started using it right away. And so I was, you know, taking my temperature with that because I've been using another app prior to it that I, you know, just didn't seem as good. Um, And, you know, so it's really been about 15 years of me having a good understanding of all of this and being very clear on what phase of my cycle I'm in and everything and really living very much in, in rhythm or in sync with my cycle. And so now to prevent pregnancy, do you just use condoms during when you're oh, fertile? Yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, that's one of the, the challenges for me as a fertility awareness method educator is that it's so hard to get women to, to use condoms at that time and men. Yes. Um, so I, I think it's just, I just have this attachment to uh, like wanting everybody to, to do this. And it's, it's not for everyone because a lot, if you really can't do something differently during your fertile window, then yeah, the method won't work for you. But I love that it's yeah. been working for you and that you don't have to be exposing your bodies to uh, synthetic hormones anymore, but same. One of the things that, that really fascinates me about your story is that I think for a lot of women, especially the women that I work with, and I know for myself, at some point it does kind of transition into that you kind of want to get pregnant and then your fertility mm -hmm. is much more interesting to you. So True. for example, women will go off of birth control and then see that there's all these like wacky things going on with their cycle and then they want to learn a lot more about it and they can understand how it's so important to use this as an assessment tool for their overall health. And then, but with the ultimate goal of like, I want my body to be so healthy so I can get my baby, you know, and then a lot of times there's then, in the, they already have this connection to cycle tracking and how much information they can get from it. So a lot of times they'll continue sort of beyond their fertility goals. But I wonder for you, was it ever sort of difficult for you to stay motivated because you didn't have this conception goal or were you just mostly interested in, in your health and kind of optimizing that? Yeah, for I because yes, I so I don't have kids and it's been a back and forth saga in my life whether I'm going to have kids or not. I swear I've had this conversation a thousand times with my partner and I you know, it's kind of like our ongoing joke at this point because we just couldn't really make a decision so we decided 
you know, if it were to happen, it'll happen, but if not, that's okay. Um, and so for me, it's always been curiosity about my body, but I recognize, as you've said, right, that not everybody feels the way we feel. <laughs> I get it. I totally get it. But for me, because it's been my work and I imagine it's so similar for you too, that this is, I, I find it endlessly fascinating because when I can look at my cycle and know exactly, almost exactly when my period is coming. I generally know when ovulation is happening for the most part based on symptoms and cervical fluid changes and then temperature change. Um, and then also just to really know what's going on with my cycle so I can plan my life and my business work around it. Uh, to me, that that feels very gamified, I suppose you could say. And I, I really, it's very satisfying. I really like it. Um, but I also understand too, that when there's that next piece of the, you know, the puzzle where you're, you're moving from that place of just tracking your cycle to really understanding it because you want to get pregnant. I think that just adds a whole other layer to it. And I think that that seems to be when a lot, a lot of women, just in my experience of doing this work, get really, really interested in their bodies. And, and I think that oftentimes what I've heard is I've been put on, I was put on this pill when I was 14 or 16 or whatever, 18, and I've been on it for 10, 15, 20 years. And I don't even know my body. Like, I don't know anything about it. It's a complete mystery to me. And that in and of itself seems to be really, uh, really a draw for a lot of women. They really want to understand their bodies uh, long before they're trying to get pregnant. So I've seen that change a lot in the last 10 years. I feel like that's really encouraging. And then also I feel like, uh, or they, they feel like everything goes wrong. Like you said, right? Like they have a complete system-wide breakdown is what it feels like. And, uh, they were planning to get pregnant, you know, a month after coming off the pill and those plans get thwarted by all of the symptoms that they're having. And, you know, I always encourage everyone to remember that your body, it takes a long time to get to where it's at. Like it's taken a long time for this dysfunction to happen and it will take some time to start to reverse that, but it is possible because our body does so much with so little. It's amazing what it can do when it's not getting the, the basic nutrients and, and the support that it needs. And then I feel like, you know, within three or four months, in most cases, uh, things really start to shift. Ovulation returns or consistent ovulation returns, cervical fluid changes start to happen, which are really problematic, I think, for a lot of people when they come off the pill, because it just things just haven't worked that way for a long time. So I, I feel like we have to move away from this idea that our bodies are somehow broken or there's something wrong with us and move towards the idea that, well, your body was just working with what it had and the raw materials that it had. And once you really start to give it what it needs, you'll thrive uh, for the most part. I mean, that's not the case for everyone, but I do really think that when you come off the pill, there, there should be a, a certain expectation, I suppose you could say of, of time. And oftentimes I'll tell women, you know, for every year that you've experienced issues, or maybe that you've been on the pill, give yourself a month or two to start to feel better. And, uh, and some of them are like, but that's like 12 months. Yeah. But that might be what you need, you know, give yourself a, a wide berth, but you don't necessarily need all of that time. I'm, I'm just trying to set expectations. And I think it's important for us to do that. Cause again, we think that, you know, when we took the pill, like for me, I suddenly didn't have heavy periods 
periods anymore. And I was thrilled, but it just doesn't really work like that when you went on the flip side, <laughs> when you're coming off of these medications, it just takes time to recalibrate. Yeah, that's such a good point there. I'm in this group on Facebook about people coming off of hormonal birth control yeah. And because I'm partially interested in like, what are the questions that women have when they're wanting to do this? And every single day, someone posts, like, I'm coming off of birth control, what else can I use? And then there's like all these people that have the, the comments about what they can use. And everybody's always saying something about the fertility awareness method. And I just, I don't know how to get this information out in like a wider I, that, I guess that's my, my vision for my life is just to get this information to as many people as possible. So every, if I have an opportunity, I always say something about the fertility awareness method and that it doesn't have to be so hard to learn and trying to get like resources to be as available as possible to people, because I don't think it's common knowledge that you can prevent pregnancy without synthetic hormones. And then also a lot of the women will say, uh, okay, I already stopped taking birth control and now I've been trying to get pregnant for six months and I don't even have a period yet, you know, sort of thing. And I think that part of it is that, yes, it takes time. And then the other part is that people, women don't know how to support their bodies to get their fertility back in more efficiently. So maybe they're like a vegan and running 10 miles a day or something and probably their fertility is not going to return if they continue with those practices. So I, yeah, I mean, I, I do think it's so important for women to, to sort of like temper their expectations of like when their fertility is going to return, but also to be proactive about taking really good care of themselves. So yeah, yes. I just, I love what you're sharing that. Yeah. It's not that you can just stop taking birth control and then immediately get pregnant. Some people do and yay for them. Exactly. Um, but for a lot of women, it's a lot more complicated than that, especially if they've been on it for 10 to 15 years. Right. I know. And I, I think like what you said too, is it's so important to talk about that, right? The nuance and the differentiation between different types of bodies and genetics and life experiences and current health. And there's so many variables. And yet we've approach this with a very broad brushstroke approach that I, is really frustrating, as you can imagine, because it, again, sets women up for a lot of disappointment. And I feel like, you know, the pill is still so popular because it, what, it came out in 1960 or around that time, and it's still the most popular form of reversible contraception in the U.S. today. And, uh, you know, it's, I mean, a huge amount of women use it. I think it's like 16% of women that are still using it. And, um, I think it's just popular because it fits into the cultural narrative, right? That convenience is everything and you pop a little pill every morning and it's just nice and easy and it'll prevent pregnancy and you just go about your business. And yet rarely are the consequences of taking synthetic hormones every single day of your life since you were a teenager in many cases discussed. And as a result, we, we have this belief that it's just a benign medication when in fact, uh, you know, there are short-term and long-term consequences of taking the pill. I mean, there is research that shows that girls taking it as teenagers don't have the same level of bone development that girls who are not on oral contraceptives. And that's just one 
aspect of it. You know, we could talk about teenagers and their mental health and how it impacts them. And so I feel like there are, you know, real implications for this medication and what it's done to an entire multi, it's multiple generations at this point of girls and women. And yet we don't really talk about that. And so we come off of it and again, we're told you'll be fine. There's no research that shows that this affects your fertility or affects you in any way at all. All we talk about is fertility because, you know, we're just vessels for babies. <laughs> and I'm saying that with sarcasm, but yeah, you know what I mean? It's, it's frustrating because we're, we're never really looking at the bigger picture of, well, what is this doing to our thyroid health and to our brain health? And what is it doing to our gut health and our nutrient, uh, capacity and all of this that is so critically important to long-term health for women. And I just think there's a lot more exploration that needs to happen with regard to the long-term effects of this. Absolutely. Yeah. For them to say there's no research, it's, there's nothing in it for them to reach research that right any depth. So exactly. Exactly. It's very frustrating. Uh, I would is. love for you to share about how your how your charts have changed um, over time since you've been doing it for such a long time. I'm curious to know if as your because one of the things I think a lot of people don't know is that the perimenopause, correct me if you have a different perspective, but from what I understand, the perimenopausal time frame can be like 10 to 15 years. So just because you are still in your 30s, like you still may be entering into perimenopause sort of around 35-ish. And so there is a transition phase that takes quite a long time where you might see some shifts in your cycle. So I'm I'm just kind of curious if you have seen anything yet in your own charts. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love this question. You know, it's so funny because I think back and I just wish I had known about all this charting stuff when I was a kid. I would totally have done it then too, because I'm very analytical. I kind of love these things, but I remember my goddaughter a number of years, because I think she's 16 now, um, getting her period. I think she might've been 11, about five years ago. And I was so pumped for her. And I was telling her the apps to download and how she could chart her cycle. And I just thought, oh, I'm so jealous, like 11 years old. And you get to have all of this data. on your body over multiple decades. And I just think that's really cool. And I feel like that's really happening now um, with like the device uh, Tina, which Mm -hmm. is for teenagers. And it's so cool. And I I just love that, you know, young girls are using this device and, and other devices too, of course. But anyway, for me, it's really interesting because at the time, life was a little stressful when I, when I really got into this and started, and I don't have the data from that old app that I first started with in back in like the mid two thousands, which I was so bummed about. I've searched and searched and it ain't happening. Um, and so I have, you know, basically from 2011, so it's about 12, 13 years now at this point. And I, um, it's so fascinating to see because I feel like things actually, weirdly enough, have improved. And I think that's because at the time, you know, I ended up going through a divorce and I, you know, and I was, uh, then I started dating the person I'm with now and he was outside of the US. So we were traveling a lot and going, I was going to meet him and it was just crazy, like so nuts. It was fun, but very, very stressful. And I felt like I was always on a plane, always on a transatlantic flight. It was just ridiculous. And so I distinctly remember looking back at that actually a few years ago and thinking, wow, how did I even survive that? And my cycles definitely reflected it. And then in the last seven, eight years, 
uh, since he's now back here and we're living together and whatever, um, things have really stabilized. And then I noticed when I wrote my book, <laughs> that was the first time actually I had a super late period. Um, I think my cycle was probably 36 days or something like that. And it never happened to me before. And so, but even though I'd had lots of stress, so it is interesting to see, I feel like in your twenties and your early thirties, man, you are so hormonally resilient. It's amazing. And I look back at that and I just think, oh yeah, if I only had just a little bit more of those hormones right now, it'd be so great. Um, and then as you know, as I got into my late thirties, wrote that book, things were so crazy during that time. So immensely stressful. And uh, yeah, so I had like one late cycle and then there was one time where suddenly I just got my period on day 24 or something. So it was a little wonky and all over the place, but generally speaking, it wasn't too bad. And now I'm 43 and I'm like, how old am I? <laughs> 43, start to lose track. And I have definitely noticed changes. I feel like my luteal phase was, you know, always like kind of long, like 14, 15, sometimes 16 days. And it's definitely maxing out at like 14 days now on a good cycle. Um, and so that shifted slightly. I feel like my progesterone has dropped a little bit too, because I started to notice spotting before my cycle, which I didn't really have before, before my period and, um, and less cervical fluid. So that's definitely changed too. So those that's, that's been really interesting just to observe. And again, I just like to nerd out on this and see the changes that are happening because it's so good to be able to have this experience. I think for anyone who's a practitioner, who's listening particularly, so that you can communicate this to your clients or your patients. Cause I, I think it's really helpful for them to hear as well. So I feel like that's what shifted. My period has also gotten lighter as well. So Again, I'm one of these people who I think is going into perimenopause and my hormones are dropping, yeah, progressively, whereas some women have these huge estrogen fluctuations and, you know, and then they start bleeding twice a month or they have massively heavy periods, uh, whereas I, I have not experienced that at all. And so I'm sorry if that's upsetting to anyone <laughs> who has really heavy periods. I don't mean it to be, but that just seems to be my whole thing. Although I'd love a heavier period, honestly, it's just, you know, because it means you have more hormones, which is kind of nice. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. I, yeah, I guess I'm curious there are so many things that can happen hormonally. And some of the things, yeah. I, I guess I'm always sort of like playing with what do you actually have some control over with diet and lifestyle and potentially treatment modalities as you, whatever resonates with you and what kind of works for your system. And then what is just kind of like genetically, that's just kind of how you're set up. And I think a lot of people are just like, oh, well, this is just how it is. My mom had really crazy periods. Her menopausal, perimenopausal into menopause journey was total crap. And so mine's going to be. And so we can sort of set ourselves up for this expectation of what that transition will be like based on genetics or the culture at large, like what the sort of narrative is around it. And I just wonder for you, and especially in your work with women, if you have observed that if women are, you know, kind of like taking care of their blood sugar, eating really nourishing food, sleeping well, managing their stress, if potentially they're getting some other like holistic treatments, if they have an easier transition or does it seem to be that some women just have that sort of like, I'm bleeding all the time. I'm bleeding twice a month or whatever, um, in that phase. I'm so glad you brought this up because I talk about this a lot because I think that 
what is starting to happen or what I'm starting to observe is that women are saying, well, I just think it's perimenopause. And I'm like, okay, but <laughs> perimenopause isn't this thing that's happening to you that's suddenly causing your hormones to go haywire. Like, I don't really buy into that story. I think that it's, and again, this isn't to downplay anyone's experience, obviously, right? But I think what we have to do is pay attention to our symptoms and make adjustments according to what symptoms we're experiencing. Because like you just said, if you're keeping your blood sugar stable and you are um, really working actively on managing your stress and you're exercising, you're moving your body and you have healthy relationships in your life. And, you know, all of the things, right. That we talk about, I, you know, I, I know that I could go down the rabbit hole with all the things we need to do to stay healthy in this world. But if you're doing the foundations, like we've talked about the pillars, um, that really should carry you through the first stage of perimenopause without anything major happening. I feel like everyone I know who is taking care of their, their health and really have, have prioritized their health don't have the extreme perimenopausal symptoms that we tend to hear about. And I think one of the frustrating things about just sort of almost every stage of the menstrual life cycle that we experience is that you get this messaging, right? That it's terrible, that it's going to be terrible. Uh, you know, puberty is a nightmare. Being a teenager is a nightmare. <laughs> Pregnancy has its challenges, postpartum is a terrible situation. You know, all of these things, we talk about perimenopause and then menopause and then you die. And it's just so depressing. And I just feel like we really need to reframe this. And it's just, I, yeah, I really think we need to reframe all of it. And so with that said, I don't feel like we should just decide that perimenopause is this thing that we're stuck with and it's going to be hell because I hear this and it feels very much like, well, I'm just a victim of my biology and my body and my circumstances. And I'm like, well, maybe some of us are. And I understand that there are uncontrollable situations for sure, but I would say the majority of us are not. And I think there's a lot that we can do. And I found that balancing your blood sugar, and I know that's like a whole can of worms to get into right now, but that alone has remarkable effects in this perimenopausal time, particularly. And the reason for that is because we start to become a little less hormonally resilient. We're losing our estrogen and our progesterone, which have effects on our blood sugar um, and, you know, and our muscle tone and all of these different things that contribute to blood sugar imbalances. So I just feel like that alone can help tremendously. And so if we just fo focused on one thing, maybe it would be that, um, or we focus on our stress or whatever the biggest challenge is in our life. And, uh, and we put effort into that and maybe we don't, you know, don't have to be so, you know, beholden to these symptoms that crop up because they're cl very clearly a sign from the body. And I just don't think perimenopause is meant to be this terrible thing that's it, it's been made out to be. Yeah. I mean, I, I completely agree. It's just such a common thing where people will come to me and they're like, can you give me a thing or put a needle somewhere to like, do just like get this to go away? Like all of these symptoms. <laughs> and I really think that's what I love about holistic medicine is that it doesn't work like that. There isn't like a simple, like one little supplement thing a pill that you can take to just kind of make everything go away and hormonal contraceptives. I mean, I've even worked with women who are way past, like they're done having kids and they, they take hormonal contraceptives 
just to navigate the symptoms that they're experiencing. And I mean, that's completely missing the boat on getting to the root of what's causing everything. And whenever they come off of that, they're just going to have even potentially worse symptoms. And this is not to scare anybody or shame anybody. I think they're, we're always playing with this line of like empowering people to make the necessary shifts in their lifestyle to support their body, but not also wanting to be like, well, if you could just get your shit together, then you wouldn't have any of these symptoms. Like, I think it's a nuanced conversation, yeah. you know, that 100%. there are some things that we, we do have some, I guess control isn't really the right word, but some amount of ability to impact and then other things that we don't really. And there are, that's where holistic treatment modalities come in to help support your body in ways that it can't naturally work with itself. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, I just hope that this episode reaches the right people that need to hear this information and know that it doesn't have to be perimenopausal phase. Perimenopause is not like a disease. Menopause isn't a disease. Pregnancy isn't a disease. These are all natural physiological processes that we can, our body can work with if we give it the tools that it needs to actually move through it. Yes. And you know, to speak to what you said too, about that, I think that I've talked about this a lot. I feel as though we are now living in, well, we live in an unprecedented time, right. Of stress that I think our ancestors couldn't even begin to fathom and, and stress from, and I don't say stress as in like, oh yeah, works really hard or very stressful. I'm talking about, you know, obviously the computers and the sitting for long periods of time and the blue light and all the screen time and the light at night. And, you know, I could go on and on and on, right. We all live, or many of us live in these busy cities and we're just going a thousand miles an hour. And, there's not a lot of reprieve, whereas obviously our ancestors did not function in an environment even close to what we are now. And I think that, and then there's social media and, you know, I could go on. <laughs> and then on top of all of that, we we definitely have issues with our food sources and uh, issues with our the nutrients that we're, we're getting from our food and all of these, these other things, environmental chemicals, and the list goes on. And so we're living in this time that feels very incongruent with our biology. And I really struggle with that because I think that we're just fighting against that. Women are really just fighting against that. And I I talk a lot about how it it does feel like a bit of a a radical act of rebellion to be healthy in the environment that we're in right now, right? It's like, I got the red light therapy and I've got the this and I get a massage once a month, you know, all these things that you just kind of feel like you need to do. Not, I wish I had a massage once a month. It would be nice actually, (laughs) but you know, it's all these things that you really feel like you need to do in order to stay healthy or even to just like be at the surface of health. And, and so it just feels so defeating. And so I totally understand why you're just like, well, screw it. I'm just going to go on the pill until menopause and just do that. And, mm-hmm. and I finally gotten some relief and it reminds me of my 19 year old self where I finally had some relief. And I was like, give me this pill. I'll take it forever. I don't care. And, and that was before I really understood the mechanism by which, you know, everything works. And, and I think that's it, right? I, I feel like you're describing my experience too, is that I just want everyone to understand the importance of really knowing what is going on so that they can make more informed decisions about their healthcare and the medications they take or more informed decisions about what they're going to do with their life 
because I had to change everything, right? I talked about how I worked in film production in my twenties. And I remember distinctly, I was probably 26, 27. And I was literally laying under my desk. Cause we were, I was a production manager, production coordinator, and then moved into production managing on these commercials. And, you know, everyone on the crew is talking to you and I'm cramping so bad. I have the worst period paid. I'm laying under my desk, all curled up. I've just taken like a whole bunch of Advil, hoping that this will just kick in, in 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> Yeah, never going to happen. And, you know, everyone will leave me alone for like 30 minutes so I can just like get through this. And I just thought there's like no way I can live like this. This is insane. And I think we all have to decide, right? What are we willing to do here to, to have a better quality of life? And unfortunately, like I said, women's biology just doesn't really jive with this modern life that we're living, right? It's a very male-dominated, male-centric way of doing things. Um, and our cycles are, our biological cycles are just different. And so we're, like I said, we're incongruent, right? We're working against the tide. And I think like for me, I had to completely change careers. It was a lot of sacrifice. It was really hard. I had no money for a long time. You know, there's a lot of things that a lot of people aren't willing to do and I get it. But for me, I felt really passionate about it. And, and then I, you know, I lived in Florida and I moved, I came to New York and which, you know, was a crazy city, but I was so happy there. So it made sense. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like sometimes you, you have to change jobs. Sometimes you have to move. Sometimes you have to get a divorce. I mean, I, I did all of those things and it was a horrible and really, really difficult and they were massive life up, you know, upheavals. But I knew that those were the things I needed to do to live true to myself. And my health gradually improved over time because of because of, of all those changes that I made. And of course, I bridged myself to that point, right? I didn't start with a divorce. <laughs> I started by going to acupuncture. And then I started by, you know, seeing a chiropractor who, you know, did all this great body work that really helped with the period pain. So there was little things along the way that I did. I did little diet changes and whatnot. Um, and I think that's where we all have to start, right? We have to start where we feel like we can start and make change and then and sort of build from there and decide, you know, what's our next right step. Yeah, I love that. I think that people do tend to go get overwhelmed by like, oh my God, there's all these things I need to do. And how the yeah. fuck do I track my cycle? <laughs> and I, I think that if you can just like get little bits of information, little seeds planted, and just kind of build on that, over time you get to where you wanted to go, but it just takes time. Yeah. It, does. it really it does. does. Yeah. So I at this point, I'd love for you to share about where people can find you, your website, any like specific offerings that you want to highlight your podcast, which I mentioned at the beginning, but anything that you wanted to mention. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. This has been such a good conversation. It got me thinking about a lot of things. Um, so you can find me at NicoleJardim.com. I have my blog on there, my programs. I have my book on there too. You can also find it on FixYourPeriod.com too, where I have all of the booksellers and places you can purchase it all around the world. Um, I'm on Instagram. It's just Instagram. Uh, my username is Nicole M like Madeline Jardim. And I share a lot of stuff on there. And I also have my podcast, The Period Party. So lots of, lots of different ways to find information about periods. And your book, Fix Your Period. It's yes. So fixyourperiod.com. You can find it on that site. And yeah, all the booksellers are on there. And there's bonuses on there too, if you want those. Great. Yeah. And I'll, I'll link all of that in the show notes. So thank you so much for being here today. Any last words or anything before we wrap up? 
Yeah. You know, I just sort of to echo what I was saying before is that your body is not this mysterious, complicated thing that you can't figure out. And I think that the greatest injustice (laughs) that has happened to women, you know, for as long as can be is that we haven't been educated about our menstrual cycles and ovulation and our, and how all of this works, because that's one of the biggest things I've heard over the years. And I bet you have too, is why didn't anybody teach me this? Or why am I only finding out about this now? And I'm 35 or something along those lines. And I think for anyone who's listening and just even if you have an inkling of understanding, I feel like you're you're ahead of the game. And you just, as you said, you know, take those little seeds and and run with those. And if you start to learn about your cycle, it will open up a whole new world to you and you'll start to really start start to live your life in a different way than you had before. So hopefully this is this information is helpful and will start to guide you to, like I said before, the next right step. Awesome. Thank you so much again. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with somebody that you think might benefit from hearing some of the information that was shared here today. If you're interested in finding more about me, you can find me on my website at rosebudwellness.com on Instagram at rosebud underscore wellness or on Facebook at the Rosebud Wellness community. Also, if you're feeling called to leave a a rating or writing review, that would be amazing. It really helps to get the podcast out to more listeners. Thanks so much for listening and until next time.